guardrails, where we're going. We don't need guardrails. This is the This Is Believeland podcast. We're talking post-draft. I'm here with Jordan Cohen. Jordan, how are you feeling about the draft? Hey, I'm very excited about the draft. I think we've learned uh, hashtag uh, F the guardrails. Yes. Uh, <laughs> And I'm very happy about it. Oh man, I'm 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 really happy with how this draft turned out because all of the speculation, all the conversations about what the Browns were going to do, what they value, what they prefer, how they're going to operate, pretty much all of it turned out to be false. So I'm ecstatic. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I you and I had been talking offline, and I think that one of just the uh, I I owe Barry a lot more credit. Than I think I was initially getting. And again, we don't know how this draft works out, yeah. obviously. But it at least seems to me that Barry isn't beholden to like this set of ideas that's really designed to turn a one and fifteen team around, mm-hmm. not necessarily to take an eleven and five team and make them a Super Bowl contender. And I think Barry very much knew that, right? I mean, mm-hmm. Newsom, that's that fits, I guess. He's a cornerback. And, I mean, I told you, like, I was happy with the Newsom pick. Mm-hmm. He was not my top choice there, um, and I'll get to that in a second. But Newsom is probably the best zone off-man corner in the draft. Yes. And I th- do I think he's going to be a superstar? Absolutely not. Do I think he's going to be as good as Denzel Ward? Probably not. But I think he will be a good starter for the next four years. And that's what they, and that's fine. I, I, it's not ideal. And then they got the guy who I wanted most at 26 at 52, and I actually think Jock, who is like not a guardrails pick mm-hmm. in any sense of the term, I think he could be defensive rookie of the year. Like I think he's that good. Yeah, he's got the the versatility that uh, the Browns really need on defense. But going back to Newsom for one second, I think one of the more important aspects of his selection is that it's going to kick Troy Hill into the inside uh, defensive back position, which is where he thrives at. Right. I mean, that's where he was a superstar for the Rams. Like, he and John Johnson just took different sides of the field. Mm-hmm. Uh, and usually they would put Troy Hill on the inside where to wherever the X receiver was. Mm-hmm. Um, and very much like a zone. And then Johnson would just take the other side. So, I, yeah, I agree. I think the other thing about that is uh, it means no base nickel. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> Or, <laughs> like uh, they can't run base four two five. Uh, no, the the whole three safeties thing I always thought was very overblown to begin with, and w- by taking Greg Newsom twenty sixth and by signing Troy Hill, there's no way you can still try out three safeties unless the only you only have one linebacker out there and come out and base dime, which is just preposterous. No, it, it, I, I mean to be, I, I it's not going to be base dime. I actually think JOK mm. left you run dime packages if you feel it like on clear passing downs i think you can do that now mm-hmm. which is great yes um but it's not base the base i mean we all know what this is going to be it's going to be base four three mm-hmm. you're going to have or, or maybe base four two five with a third corner mm-hmm. uh maybe what it looks like but it's going to be newsome hill Harrison Johnson Ward is your defensive backs, and I guess on rundowns they probably take one of the cornerbacks out. Yeah, and then your starting linebackers are going to be Walker, JOK, and then potentially like a Taki Taki on first downs is kind of that strong side, just rush defensive linebacker. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mac Wilson's off the team. I don't give a crap what anybody says. There's no way Mac Wilson makes this roster, and I am 
so so happy about it. We we can get more into Mac Wilson when we get that down to around five. Because uh, I have some, uh, I have got some uh, contrarian takes about what some people have been putting out there about uh, a certain linebacker taken later. But you know, uh, Taki Taki or Phillips could be the other linebacker. Um, or if they're paying, uh, playing as the more of a pass heavier pass centric team, they can throw Malcolm Smith, who they re-signed, into the mix a little bit right. too. So, right. and, and with. Um, Mr. Jeremiah Owosu Koromoas, yes, I'm going to pronounce his name one time this entire podcast, with his versatility uh, and his ability to play uh, in pass coverage, they're able to be a little bit more flexible. So if they need to sort of change out or change some of the, the coverage looks, he can masquerade as a defensive back of sorts from time Wait, to time no, if they on, have to. If they on, have to. Hold on. Hold on. I heard on Twitter he's a safety. So I right, like, he's a safety. He's a defensive back already. Right? <laughs> now, oh my god, that was one of the wildest things I saw. People trying to call him a safety or a defense. He's a linebacker. Okay. He is a linebacker. linebacker. He's a linebacker. They didn't say we drafted safety, Jeremiah Owosu Koromo. They said we drafted linebacker. He's a linebacker. Maybe. He's a rover. That is a linebacker. He's a he's a smaller linebacker. Fair. He's a little bit on the smaller side, but he's still a linebacker. Right, and like he's good against the run because he's so long. Like, have you seen his mm-hmm. wingspan? It's absurd. It really is. Um, so he's fine against the run, but you didn't draft him to be a run. Like, he's not a strong side linebacker. We already have like twelve of them on the roster. Mm-hmm. He he's a linebacker. He's kind of that like. He's newer kind of Mike, like mid, new type of like middle linebacker that can do coverage, can rush the passer, can stop. He's just like good at everything. Mm-hmm. He's not a stud. I guess he's for a linebacker. He's a stud in coverage, but but he's not a stud like. But he's going to be Luke Keekley. Yeah. I I think like that's been my comparison all along. I think he's Luke Keekley. I mean, he's an off ball linebacker. I mean, that's that's what they right. needed. That's that's what they really needed. That's I mean that's. Part of the reason why I think they signed Malcolm Smith was because they didn't think to be able to, be able to get a quality off-ball linebacker in the draft. Maybe that impacts his roster status later as the offseason progresses for Malcolm Smith. But he's an off-ball linebacker. So that's what we needed. We got it. Right. And uh, contrary to uh, some of the things that were people saying about Mr. Jock here, or JOK, however you want to call it. I say Jock. You seem to be uh, a fan of JOK. I, uh, I like varying it up. Yeah, varying it up, mixing it up. It's, it's a little bit fun. Uh, everyone was saying, or at least a lot of people were saying, that they're not going to draft an off-ball linebacker, and here we are, pick number fifty-two. They traded up to get him. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, honestly, had we drafted him at twenty-six, I would have been jumping up and down. Yes, me too. I, I saw a take that was like it was a ridiculous trade. We gave up a third-round pick to take a not low impact position. It's like, guys, you don't like linebacker. If you are one in 15 and you mm-hmm. draft a linebacker in the first two rounds, your team's been stupid. Like you yeah. shouldn't do that. Acknowledge. Mm-hmm. If your team was 11 and five was basically two plays away from going to the AFC championship game. Mm-hmm. Then, and you don't because Chad Henney can run because you have no linebackers. That's when you draft a linebacker. Yeah. I mean, the, the one weakness that's been glaring for some time on this defense is linebacker. 
So what did they do? They actually addressed the position that was a weakness. They didn't say, oh, the hell with it. They said, no, we need to fix this. Right. Exactly. Exactly. They And again, I like the guardrails are designed for 1 in 15 teams. And mm-hmm. I remember we saw something on Twitter before the draft. It was like, here are the players Andrew Barry's going to look at if you look at the guardrails. And it's like this giant list. I remember you and I were both just like, it was a collective like, oh. Because it was just like every single one was so bad. And then like they proceeded to laugh at the guardrails and go totally off script. Yeah, which I, I love. Yeah, I there, think they drafted like an NFL team. Yeah, there were a couple players that the Browns did draft that did show up on that ridiculous spreadsheet that was making the rounds on Twitter. Um, and, and the only thing worse is when someone else did something just like that, but it was somehow a lower quality spreadsheet uh, <laughs> that someone put out there. But... The, the evaluation and overall projections for where those players were supposed to go based off of whatever pretend metric was being used on that uh, was completely wild and completely off. People were way too high or way too low compared to where they actually went. And I think that's part of the, the disconnect a little bit when it comes to uh, whatever advanced data they're using to make those because nothing seemed to align with... Any, like, real mock draft thing I saw? No. I agree. I agree. I, I mean, so here's the thing, and here's how I feel about the, what the Browns use versus when somebody pulls up, like, an RAS score or, mm-hmm. like, a PFF grade. And to be fair, like, PFF loved the draft, but I, yeah. I, I think there's maybe differing reasons for that beyond PFF grades. Um, but anyways, like, if somebody that does statistics, I would be stunned, like, so stunned that I may not root for the team if the Browns are using RAS scores and PFF grades to draft players, Mm -hmm. because like those, that's not, that's not stats. That's not why you like hire somebody that that, that's really, really good at that. Mm -hmm. And so my theory always has been the Browns probably use a lot more advanced stuff than they let on. Mm -hmm. And like, I think Browns are probably okay with like PFF basically saying that they're determining all the Browns traffic. I think the Browns are okay with that because it means they can, catch teams off guard when it comes to free agency in the draft. Yeah. Um, and I think that's what they did. I, I, I mean, this, I, you and I both were fairly low on Andrew Barry coming mm-hmm. into this week. Yeah. And I, I'm not convinced by him because I look at this defensive line and I'm biting my fingernails over here. Yeah. But, but he is better. This off season has been substantially better from Andrew Barry's end than last off season. Yeah, this the off season in general was better for the most part, uh, outside of a couple of decisions uh, made late in the off season. But this draft, I am much happier with coming out of this draft than I was with last year's draft, because yeah, there were there were clear areas of need that I'm like they need to fix this, and they did it. <laughs> right. Last year right. seemed a little bit too offensive centric for me, even though they did draft some defensive players, but. They, they didn't draft any impact defensive players, which is what I wanted. This yeah. year, and like they went defense-heavy. Yeah, I mean, I know they drafted Delpit last year, but and I know the plan was Delpit was going to start. Mm-hmm. I, I acknowledge all that. I don't... I think they drafted Delpit because they were surprised he was there. Yeah. I, I don't think he was, that was their strategy. I, no. I think their strategy was to draft offense because what they wanted to do is put themselves in a situation where they knew if Baker was the guy or not. Yes. Surprise, surprise, that didn't work out. 
mm-hmm. because Baker like was really good the second half of the season and really bad the first half, and we're still kind of like, who is this guy? Yeah. Um, but I, I think they knew this year. Like at the end of the day, Stefanski has shown he is a good enough and a creative enough offensive play caller mm-hmm. to score a lot of points with Baker as the quarterback, even if Baker's not playing well. Yes. And I think knowing that the Browns were like, okay, we got to draft defense. I also think this is a gun to Woods' head, right? We know what mm-hmm. Joe Woods wants as a defensive coordinator, and this may not be perfectly it, but if Joe Woods can't make this defense work, then he's got to go. Yeah, and uh, and this comes to with uh, another pick they made later in the draft. We'll get to him in a minute, uh, but. Drafting uh, Jock was not necessarily something that aligns with what we've been told is what the Browns want to do defensively. So this is basically, I think, a situation like, I'm going to give you what we believe to be a blue-chip, high-end linebacker prospect. Make it work. Fix your defense to make this guy work. And, like, I... Even in a 4-2-5 where I get Jock can play, like I, I acknowledge that, and so maybe that does mean base nickel. But what at the very least, it means base nickel with a third cornerback, not a third safety. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think to, and then I mean they may try to cover it up, and like there will be certain people that say this that say, oh well, yeah, they're base four three, but Jack's actually a safety, so it's base nickel. That's not true. I'm, I, I'm like, going to shoot not... that down every time someone tries to say that. I'm going to say no, he's a linebacker. Yeah. No, I, I, I mean, with the clapping emojis. Like I mean, the the one. Listen, if he's not starting on day one, then I think Woods has to go, because yeah. even if he is raw, which he's not, but mm-hmm. let's say like he comes in and somehow he's really raw, you still start him from day one because of what his potential lets him become. Like. He is, like, remember Isaiah Simmons last year where the first half of the season, like, he barely could get on the field. He was Mm -hmm. so bad, but they still kept playing him. Mm -hmm. And then the second half, he looked really good. Yeah. And I think Jock is a better prospect than Isaiah Simmons was. I do, I I straight do. Like, Isaiah Simmons is, like, 6'2 or 6'. Like, he's big and he's not that fast. And everybody was like, oh, he's going to be this rover linebacker. No, he's not. Like, that's not his game. And I think... Mm -hmm. The Cardinals kind of realize that, and now we're playing him as a more traditional linebacker, and it, it, he's developing. I think Jock is a rover. Like, I think Jock is going to be the guy that you can just play, like, have him do anything. Mm-hmm. He will end up, I think, probably not this season, but the following, calling all of the defensive plays. Like, I, I think he is just more versatile than Simmons. And I, I really kind of, I, I kind of believe at this point that what you have to play him. Mm-hmm. Like, they do not have a choice. He absolutely, without a question, has to play. Um, and so, to me, that's kind of just a, like, Woods doesn't have a choice. And this secondary, now I actually think even including the linebacker group, is going to be really good. I, there's no reason we will be as bad in the middle of the field as we were last year. The one weakness and the one thing Woods will be able to claim, like, listen, guys, I didn't have the talent for, is running at the line of scrimmage. If the Browns are letting a lot of running backs get to the second level, mm-hmm. then Woods can say, that's not my fault. And, like, I will give him that. Yes. Um, if they're not getting a ton of pressure, 
I think that may be partially due to the scheme, but I think Woods again can say like, listen, look at this defensive line. Like, I don't know what you want me to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but this coverage, like we should not be giving up crazy yards in the middle of the field anymore. And if they are, it's on Woods. And I think if that I, Woods is a guy to me that I do not think has a long leash right now. I think if this defense starts poorly, they'll cut, they'll kick Woods out probably by the bye week. I mean, and he really shouldn't have a long leash. Not to say that he's necessarily on the hot seat, but let's let's put it. Th- I'll put it this way: I think that if there is a time where things are looking poorly, that he'll go from let's just call him safe for the moment. But if things mm-hmm. go poorly, he'll go right to hot seat. There won't be like that lukewarm or getting hot. It'll be just straight to hot seat. Your time might be up. Right, and like I appreciate that Woods is probably a very like i appreciate that i think in this scheme woods may be the best guy around right now mm-hmm. this coaching scheme the question is and like he's flexible in a certain sense which is that like he's willing to run more cover two cover four stuff yeah um but but he's not last year at least he did not show that he was flexible enough um mm-hmm. and i i mean i guess to a certain degree i don't know what he could have done differently last year. I think there was a time towards the end of the season where he started running more cover two and it was working well. Um, but then the second we got Ward back, he stopped doing that. And so I don't like, I, I just, I, we need to see the flexibility because this is a great, at this point, this secondary is great. And mm-hmm. there is no reason like we should be giving up passing yards like we did last year. And if we are, I think the blame has to go to Woods. Absolutely. I mean, as you know, I'm not necessarily the biggest fan of the scheme Joe Woods wants to run. I think it's very yeah. much outdated. I think it's been dying for at least half a decade now. Um, and I don't know if they have the right personnel to run it, even if the scheme wasn't like on its last gasp of being viable. That being said, I hope that he's at least flexible enough or is at least open to the idea of adapting to the skill players that he has because that's what an actual good coach does is they coach and scheme to the players, not to what they think the scheme should be. Right. I mean, do you think it like what are your like do we do you think there's going to be a like does this work out with Woods? If he if he shows any sort of adaptability, sure. But if he wants to be rigid with what he wants to do, absolutely not. Because the the players that they have are not necessarily equipped to run the the scheme he's trying to trot out there. So if he shows well, will, I, a willingness to adjust, I think they'll be fine. But if he just keeps wanting to keep trotting out this dead scheme, then no. Well, and like it's funny, I keep seeing people saying like, oh, well, like Vic Fangio and like now Brandon Staley all run. This scheme, and it's like, first off, no, they don't. Mm-hmm. Um, secondly, like the, the core tenant is the same. Like when you watch the Rams last year, mm-hmm. and I'm sure the Chargers this year, or the Broncos, like ever, what they try to do is they try to force the opponent to the middle of the field, mm-hmm. and then they stack the middle of the field with guys that are like good at generating turnovers. Yes. Um, it, it, and so to yes, like the Rams ran a lot of four two five last year, mm-hmm. but it was four two five. But not the same way the Browns did it, right? right? And I get the Rams had better talent, but now the Browns have that talent. Mm-hmm. 
like like they do. I get the Browns don't have uh, Aaron Donald or Jalen Ramsey, but like I think Miles Garrett and Denzel Ward are very good players. Um, would I have given Miles Garrett that contract? No. Do I know that Miles Garrett will recover from COVID? No. But like we have all of the Rams supporting talent now, mm-hmm. and Jock is a player that the Rams did not have. Correct. Uh, like yeah. they didn't have anybody like him. And so I like fine. Like okay, sure. Then these good coaches are running this scheme. I let's just let's go with that. It's not true, but let's go with it. Mm-hmm. Well, now Woods has the talent to do what they did. Mm-hmm. I, I don't want to hear excuses. Right. Like fine. If you want to say, oh well, the Ramsey and Donald, like those are two huge pieces about that. Fine. What about the Broncos? Because the Broncos had a solid defense last year. Mm-hmm. So. I, like if they could do it, and they got rid of like uh, what's the the cornerback they got right, Chris Smith mm-hmm. is that his name last year the slot guy like they lost him and they were and Bradley Chubb is always injured yeah um, and they still had like they had a solid defense it wasn't great but it was not worse than the Browns in terms of talent mm-hmm. and it performed better so would and like the 49ers, right like. Everybody's like, oh, well, like Woods was there and like this is solid scheme, solid runs. Like, well, again, yes and no. It's tough to use that comparison because the 49ers are stacked. Yeah. Like, when healthy, that defense is stacked. And they were just actively trading away first round draft picks and they were still good. Right. Right. And so, like, I don't buy that they're the example we should use. Like, if you want to say this scheme can work, fine. Point to Brandon Staley and at the Rams and point to Vic Fangio and anybody that really comes from that coaching tree. Mm-hmm. Sure. Like I disagree, but sure. Like nickel base, then Woods has to show that he can do what they've done. Yeah. And like, I'm sorry, I don't want to hear Brandon Staley's a, like a savant with defense. Like he is, he's also like 32 years old. Mm-hmm. So he, he has not had nearly as much time as Woods has coaching. Yeah. And if he can do it, and I, I'm not saying Brandon Staley's bad. Like, he deserves this head coaching job. I think he's going to be great for the Chargers. But but Woods needs to show he can do it, too. I absolutely agree. Um, let, let's pivot to offense. Because the mm-hmm. they made two uh, picks on offense. And I was kind of, like, okay, meh, about these picks. They, I, I wasn't excited, but it's mostly because I just wanted them to literally draft every single defensive player possible. Uh, but Anthony Schwartz is an interesting uh, addition. Uh, he's a speed guy. Uh, you know how yeah, everyone so, on Twitter loves speed. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I... So I read a lot. I To be honest, I did not watch a substantial amount of Auburn at all, like Auburn film. I, like, mm. I... I if I, I knew who Anthony Schwartz was, that was about it. So I read a lot of the draft stuff on him. And what it sounds like to me is he's like the NFL's version of Timo Werner in the Premier League. And mm-hmm. so far, like, Timo Werner is really fast. He gets in really good positions. He gets a lot of assists because he gets in good positions. He never – like, he misses every easy goal opportunity. <laughs> and it sounds very similar to Anthony Schwartz. He's really fast. He gets in good positions. And because of that, his teammates get good positions. The problem is he can't track the ball. Mm-hmm. Like just to be clear, yes, he runs a four two forty, which is insane. He's a receiver that can't track the ball. I mean, the, the, this, is a, the this is a potential pick. That that's what this is about. It's about potential. And yes, he'll help you this year. 
Mm-hmm. I'm gadget plays and stuff, but he's not going to be a good receiver this year. No, he's at some point maybe he turns into something, but the way I see him is he's going to be a guy that's going to hold defenses accountable to have someone cover somebody deep and opens up stuff in the middle for you know someone like Jarvis or Austin Hooper, uh, and. I think the other thing that they'll use him for are those end-around plays that we're going to Odell and Jarvis Landry, who, while they Odell can get up to a very fast speed, he's not a quick speed guy. He needs to build up to it. He's not quite explosive. But if they had Sh- Schwartz doing it, I think that it would be a little bit more effective. Yeah, I mean, I, I think... So, it's funny. The last pick they made, Demetric Felton, mm-hmm. I actually think... This year, not long term, but this year, he and Schwartz are going to be compi- are going to be competing for snaps because yeah. I think they both can do this like end around jet motion stuff. That mm-hmm. I'm going to be ecstatic now that we can do that. It changes so much, um, and it lets you keep Jarvis in the slot and keep Odell on like those long post routes. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, so I'm excited for it. I I know Schwartz is faster. I think Demetric Felton is probably more pro ready for that, and I think they will be they will be competing for those snaps. Um, it would not surprise me if Demetric Felton ends up the better player for the Browns long term than Schwartz. I mean, Felton was listed as a running back when they drafted him, but let's um, however they use him, I guess, will be interesting. Um, what I think this could be is a potential. Uh, if everything works out with Mr. Felton here, uh, a potential Kareem Hunt replacement in the passing game. Oh, absolutely. I think that's the long-term vision. Yeah, um, if everything I works out. I think that's long-term vision. Yeah. Um, I, I just mean in the short term, like this yeah, year. Absolutely. I think that those two guys are going to be competing for snaps. And I think the hope long-term, right, is that Felton becomes your Kareem Hunt um, and that Schwartz becomes just like a John Ross. Yeah. Right, like what, what, what Dryden Ross is supposed tracker. to be. Right, right. Like decent ball tracker, but just really fast. And because he's really fast, he gets other guys open. Mm-hmm. I, I just, if he can't ball track, I think teams are going to realize that and they'll still lay off him. Mm-hmm. Because Baker's not, like Baker has a strong arm. He just but ha- the, he he throws a cannon. Where he is. Right. And so, like, you have, like, people. I get, like, this is something nobody talks about. Jarvis and Odell, part of the reason they're so good at catching the ball is they're, I, I think they have an argument for being the two best ball trackers in the NFL. Yeah, they're really good yeah. at it. it. They're really, really good at it. And I, I think that they, and actually to his credit, I actually think Higgins is a decent ball tracker too. Yeah. Um, I don't think he's as nearly as good as, Jarvis and Odell are, but like I think that's probably Higgins' best trait. Like he he's good at finding the ball. Mm-hmm. I, Schwartz is not, and yeah. I don't think Baker and Schwartz are going to have good chemistry at all this season. No, um, probably not. So the question is, can Schwartz do enough in the passing game where you can have him in on jet motion plays? If not, I think it's going to be Felton because Felton can do blocking. Like Felton has done a little bit of everything, and I think they can make an argument that, well, they're still going to run two running backs. They'll just have Felton out there, which is fine. Like, I think that would work. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, so I, I, I don't know. I'm, I am matter on Schwartz than a lot of people are. I just don't think there's 
like as much value in getting guys that run a four two forty that can't find the ball. Um, but if it means we're going to run more jet motion, which it does, then I guess I'm okay with it. Yeah, anything to get some more jet motion into the mix because that's something that they really needed to incorporate but didn't have necessarily the right um, personnel to do so last year. Well, and you and I talked about this, right? Like, Stefanski needed needed to evolve and adapt this mm-hmm. summer. Like, yeah. his teams are going to scheme us out. Um, and jet motion is a great way to do that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, let's, let's go on to the next pick. A tackle, James Hudson. We got a tackle. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. I was not excited about him. But, like, if you look, like, so first off, he's young and he's raw because he was a defensive tackle initially. Mm-hmm. But, like, his pass protection stats are insane. Yeah, seeing the the highlights during the uh, during the draft and they made the pick, he looked like he's got like some good some good motion. He's got looks like come out of his set pretty well. Uh, still raw a little bit. Uh, I think they digged him a little bit for having shorter arms, which maybe right. a, a kick into guard at some point could be in order. I think that's the plan. Uh, but he looked like he was fine. But for now, he's just going to be a backup swing tackle type guy. Um, Chris Hubbard replacement probably. Yeah, with the fourth round pick, that's fine. I mean, yeah, it's fine. It's like I wasn't excited. I was just like, oh, a tackle. Okay. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's more of a long term play. It doesn't have like the immediate impact of the guys before him or a couple guys after him at at that pick. Uh, I was really hoping for them to um, just keep saying, you know, F the guardrails and get some more linebackers. Uh, which they did later, but I was hoping for one right there. Uh, specifically, I was eyeing uh, Jabril Cox, who went to the Cowboys. But mm-hmm. yeah. I, I would have liked that great a lot. Pick by the, that was a great pick by the Cowboys. I, was, I get why Cox fell. Like, I get it. Mm-hmm. I, I get all that. He's going to be good. Yeah. So, James Hudson, long-term play, unless there's an injury. Let's hope not. But Yeah, for me, it was a C-plus pick. I, yeah. I don't hate it. I, there's not any real negative to it. It just it was not as exciting as I thought they could have done there. But I get it. I get why they made the selection. Mm-hmm. The the next pick had me excited. That was Tommy Togiai from Ohio State. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, I am like we were talking about. Like Tommy Togiai is the Richardson replacement. He, he is. I mean, and I, I can't believe he was still available at this point in the draft. I know. I mean, think about it. Like, he's a three-tech defensive tackle that's really good at run defense. That is Sheldon Richardson. Mm-hmm. Right? He's not a nose, um, which I kind of wanted. He's not. But he's still a three-tech that's good at run defense. I, he's going to be start this year. I don't, maybe yeah. not right away, but I am pretty positive by the end of the season he'll be one of the starting defensive tackles. Yeah, you know, one of the things that previous Browns regimes used to never do was draft Ohio State players, and it always – made me kind of angry, not because I was an Ohio State fan, but because they continuously produce good NFL talent. Really good players. Yeah. yeah. It, it, even in, yeah. It, in round four, getting Togi out of here was, it was a great pick. I know defensive tackle isn't the sexiest position, but if you're not strong in the trenches, nothing else matters. Right. Well, and I, here's the thing, right? And again, this is just one of the many things I keep saying we've talked about, but the Browns win by controlling the ball. That is that yes. is the way this offense wins games. And yeah, like I, I get towards the end of the season, Spansky was passing the ball a lot more, like fair, but the passes were designed with the same goal in mind, mm-hmm. right? 
controlling the ball and then breaking off big plays when the defense gets out of sorts. Yes. Uh, you need a good center, right? Mm-hmm. A good defensive tackle or, mm-hmm. or two to, to do that. Because if teams can run all over you, and again, this is why Richardson, I think, is going to be a loss. Yes. If teams can just run down the middle all over you, you cannot control the ball. Mm-hmm. And, um, and we saw this a little bit against Kansas City in a different way, but Stavansky really struggled in the first half. Mm-hmm. I was going to say the, I was going to say the Raider game comes to mind where the, yeah, the Browns only had, the Browns yeah. only had the ball six times over the entire game. Yep, exactly. And there was no, and like Gruden does the same thing. Like mm-hmm. people, I actually don't think give Gruden enough credit as a head coach. Like Gruden is a good offensive mind. Um, and yeah, he does the same thing, and they outdid it. They mm-hmm. they they beat us doing it. So I I love the Togi I pick. I I, I mean, it would not. I, maybe I'm wrong. Like, tell me if I'm crazy here, but it would not shock me if he's a day one starter. I wouldn't be surprised either. And uh, part of that, uh, I guess, is because of um, lack of talent at the position on the roster currently, as it currently mm-hmm. stands, and not having a, a guy who plays like he does, which is what they need on the roster currently. I mean, I saw that yeah. when we saw that one thing uh, a while ago where someone pr- was projecting the Browns starting defensive line to be Garrett Clowney, Malik Jackson, and Tack McKinley, and I vomited in my mouth a little bit because uh, yeah. you double team Miles Garrett and don't have to worry about the other three. Right. right. <laughs> I, I mean, that's that's literally like the Dollar General version of the NASCAR package the Giants used to run, but they had like O.C. Umanura and Jason Pierre Paul and Jason Tuck, or. Justin Tuck, not Jason Tuck, Justin Tuck, all in their prime when they ran that, so it was effective. Yeah, they had three Hall of Famers. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, it, this isn't anything close to that. Uh, I, the only guy that would belongs in the same conversation as those three is Miles Garrett. The other three, it's you take them or leave them, and right. you're leaving them. But with, with Togi, I think you can plug him in on day one. It gets rid of that ridiculous notion of playing Clowney next to Garrett because I don't think that's going to work. I really don't. No, and um, so that's the package you run once a game. Yeah, you run it a, a couple times. You know, a couple times a game just to throw a, an offense off a little bit. You have him. Mm-hmm. You have Garrett go down first, and you have Clowney start to go over to the other side. Then before the snap comes before he gets into the cadence he goes and sneaks in between Garrett and let's say Togiai and it totally messes yeah. them up that, that's the way to run that you don't come out in your base with Clowney next to Garrett that's preposterous uh, but I think what this important, more importantly does is it makes it so Clowney and Tack have to play rotationally because both of them at the same yep. time is terrible it's awful yeah I I think that right my guess now and I this is so here, here's the other guy I think we probably should bring in the conversation now is, is Marvin Wilson. Yes. Uh, the Florida State undrafted free agent. Because I, Great pickup, so, by the way. So so Marvin Wilson, had he come out last year, would have been a first or second round pick. Mm-hmm. Um, he just had an awful year, but so did like all of Florida State. And he got uh, into the yeah. public Twitter spat with his coach and a whole bunch right, of other right. shit. So there was a lot of things going on with him. Um Team should not have dinged him for the Twitter uh, incident because uh, he was calling out a coach who apparently was lying about something. Um, yeah, yeah. But I, 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 but but for whatever reason, and his season was awful. But like, yeah. I think part of that, if you hate the coach, like if you hate your boss, 
You're not going to try. <laughs> right. Right. And so I, I get like there was attitude concerns because of that. But really to me, like, I think he's a rotational guy this season. Um, I don't necessarily think he's a starter. I guess he could be, but I don't think so. Mm-hmm. I think my gut, and this is just a gut, I could be totally wrong, is the starting defensive line is Miles Garrett, Togiai, probably Malik Jackson, and Clowney. Yeah, that's that seems safe. Uh, yeah, I, I, I might have said Billings instead of Jackson, but probably Jackson. Yeah, I mean, Billings, my concern. So, like, the Ravens just drafted Ben Cleveland, mm-hmm. um, who is, like, an incredible, like, evidently there's stuff that he's, like, a clear racist. Um, I, I, I don't know if that's true or not, um, but I, I saw that when I was reading about him. But he's an ox, and he was a tackle in college who's now going to play guard. And I worry about Billings against those stronger guards, and so maybe that starting spot's rotational. Right, maybe against the stronger guys, you throw Malik Jackson in, and the kind of more finesse guards, you play Billings. Um, but like, I I don't I don't know who's playing there instead of Togi. Uh, Jordan Elliott's a pass rush specialist, so he's not starting. Yeah, I'm trying to look up the Ben Cleveland. Thing. Yeah, I mean, I just I. I I am I was really and like I think this is one area we disagreed. I, I really thought they needed to draft a defensive tackle early because it wasn't a stack class and I think it was the biggest hole on the roster. But to get Togi in the fourth round it was incredible. And, and Marvin Wilson's undrafted free agent. I Listen, they're like Jordan Elliott may need to watch out for his position on the roster. So it made Pat McKinley. Mm-hmm. Like, if the theory is Malik Jackson can play on the edge, I don't, which I think he can. I don't know that Pat McKinley's job is safe. Yeah, Tack McKinley's job shouldn't be safe. Um, Jordan Elliott, I mean, what's important for me, I guess. Um, really is um, not sticking to guys just because they drafted them. If there's someone's not living up to what their expectations are or playing up to a certain level, they need to be promptly moved on from. And it's okay. Admit your mistake. You know, something we talked about earlier was admitting a mistake and moving on before it's too late. Right. It's better to sell early like to take the loss early than to take the loss late. And so like we were talking pre-podcast about Trent Richardson, right? Mm-hmm. And that one of the best things Lombardi did is I get Lombardi didn't draft him, but Lombardi was like, this guy is not a good NFL running back, but teams think he's outstanding because of his touchdown numbers. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to sell him for a first round pick and then promptly totally forget about him. And I think like there are like, listen, I like Jordan Elliott. I think Jordan Elliott may become like a really good rotational defensive tackle because he is a great pass rusher. But you don't have a ton of spots, right? Like, we already have four or five defensive tackles on the roster, depending on how you classify Malik Jackson. I don't know that you're keeping more than that. And so, like, guys like Jordan Elliott, I don't think his job is safe. 
I think Conley's job is safe just because of the whole media thing with him. But like Tack McKinley, I mean, if you if your argument is all these defensive tackles are too good to cut, so we'll play Malik Jackson as an end, then I think Tack McKinley's job is in danger. And like they can sell on these guys. Like Tack McKinley, you'll have to cut, but like I bet you get a sixth round pick for Jordan Elliott. Yeah, probably. I think they could. And those picks matter. We just saw teams use those picks to trade up. Mm-hmm. I just I I I think this defense is. Go, I, I'm worried about the defensive line. If Togi is as good as I think he can be, mm-hmm. then I'm less worried about it because I think Same. he can cover the run defense. He's big. He's a three tech. And he's a really good run defender. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't really have anybody covering between the guard and the center, which I guess is a little concerning to me because it'll let teams double team miles. Mm-hmm. But, and, and that's what Richardson was really good at, even though Richardson was still kind of a pass rush specialist. Yeah. I, they may try Togiai there. They may try t- telling Togiai like this, and we know you're a three tech. We want you to go into one tech and play nose and then just do your thing from a different position. Or they may have, I mean, Marvin Wilson can do that too. Yeah. I was going to so, say, I was going to say Wilson possibly. Yeah. I mean, like, I don't think it'll happen, but there's a world where the two defensive tackle starters are Togi and Wilson. And I don't think it's that far fetched. There's a reason why Cleveland, uh, was so aggressive in regards to trying to get Wilson after the draft. It's not because, um, they didn't think he wasn't a good prospect or a good player. They gave him a lot of money as an undrafted yep. free agent. Yeah, I think that, that to me, I could be totally wrong. That to me, my gut is his agent, the Browns and his agent agreed to deal either pre-draft or pre-day three. Mm-hmm. And his agent was telling everybody, don't draft him. Mm-hmm. We've already agreed to deal. Yeah. Um, which I know happens like, mm-hmm. more often than people want to admit so that's my guy because to me it doesn't make sense that he went undrafted like even with the bad year and the personality stuff like he is too talented to like again he would have been a first or second round pick last year yeah so uh, to me it doesn't make sense and it was a weak defensive tackle class yeah so I, i to me like i i just i i think there was a deal agreed to beforehand that's at least what it seems like is that there was something beforehand. I mean, we don't we don't know. I guess I don't know if we ever will find out, but it just seems like that. Um, another pick the Browns made was another F the guardrails move. Tony Fields. Yeah, I like this pick a lot. I I think Tony Fields is really good. I think Tony Fields what he does, and this to me is like such a clear sign about how committed they are. I think Tony Fields long term is JOK's backup because he can do a lot of the same stuff, just not as well. Yeah, I saw a uh, good old Swell Mel uh, comparing Fields to to JOK, and I was like, yeah. okay, okay, let's let's pump the brakes a little bit. Maybe he's similar, but like first round prospect, possible second round pick. Tony Fields was uh, the high end four. So, yeah, yeah, he's got some I mean, of the I, same traits, I guess, but just not up to the same talent level, I guess. 
but you want to point it right. My point is like if JOK gets hurt or you need to rest him during a game, mm-hmm. I think that's what Fields is best for. I think Fields can come in and do a poor man's version job of what JOK will do. Yeah, just kind of like a, a spot play or a, you know a, just a, a short short term play while JOK gets some rest or you know right. uh, knock on wood gets banged up. Um, right. I, Fields is uh, the the anti Mac Wilson. Like everything Fields is good at, Mac Wilson is awful at. But Fields isn't like a superb athlete. Like he's he's a good, but he's not like super high RAS score. And yeah. like that's all Mac Wilson is good for. Like Mac Wilson, like I mean, I I don't like any misdirection. I've never seen Mac Wilson not once read a misdirection correctly. Yeah, and Fields he's not... like that's his calling card. Yeah, he's like that type of like he's just smart. So this is where we have the conversation about linebackers because uh, if anyone's out, it's Mac Wilson. Okay, let's be let's be yeah, real here. No, he's uh, not going to be on the team next year. Uh, Mac Wilson seems like he's gone. Um, uh, Tony Fields' roster status, I don't believe, is going to be impacted on whether he or not he excels on special teams. Uh, contrary to uh, the tweets of one individual. Uh, I think Tony <laughs> Fields is going to be making the roster regardless, um, uh, only because of he actually has a lot of the same traits as JOK does. Right. So and I, again, I, it lets me, like you're not going to play JOK every snap. This was the problem Caroline had with Luke Keekley for all uh-huh. those years. Like Luke Keekley had to be on the field every snap, and I think Fields lets it make so you don't have to make JOK do that. Yeah, it just gives you a little bit of an option. And and the guys that on their they already have like their special teams linebacker on the roster already. His name is Sioni Takitaki. Okay. Yeah. That's and their special teams linebacker. And I, I think his job is safe. He can play strong side linebacker and he's good on special teams. Yep, that's your special teams linebacker right there. So let we can stop yep. trying to pigeonhole Tony Fields into playing special teams linebacker. Because I don't think it's gonna happen. Or at least not right now. Well, and people people need to like realize like a strong side linebacker and a kind of more like non traditional Mike linebacker like Field that mm-hmm. is two totally different positions. Yep. Sioni Takitaki could never play that role ever million years. Similarly, I don't think Fields would be that great as a strong side linebacker. I, I don't even think JOK would be that great as a strong side linebacker. No. They're different positions. They're not competing with each other. The one person who's competing for any of those, because he's kind of a jack-of-all-trades, literal master of none, is Mac Wilson. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. Mac Wilson, I think it's Mac Wilson and Phillips. I think those are the two that are cuttable. I, I think they'll I think go. I, gone. I think they'll cut Mac Wilson this year, and then if Phillips can't doesn't progress in the manner they want to see him progress in, he could be gone next season. I agree with that. I totally agree with that. Yeah, I'm. I'm happy. Again, this it's not going to be like our father's four three, right? In in the sense that I think having that rover that JOK makes it a little bit different, but it's still going to be fun, man. Yeah. Like, this is this is still a base formation. Mm-hmm. It's just going to be a little non-traditional, and I'm great with that. And, and the non-traditional aspect really comes from just the versatility of of one player and possibly his backup. It's it's guys that can that have a, a certain skill set, 
that not many other players yeah. do. So it's, I mean, people are trying to be like, oh, he's a safety. He's not a safety, okay? Is he's a linebacker a who's good in coverage. That's not a safety. Have you seen a safety that size before? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> Let's, let, me, let, me, let me pull up his size because he is a large human. He is 6'2", 215. Who the hell is trying to say this guy's a damn his, safety? Yeah. yeah, what's his wingspan? I, I remember seeing it. It was like, oh, my God. It's like enormous. I mean, uh, let me pull that up. Uh, I mean, it's enormous. This is a large human. Yeah. Uh, he's got 33 inch arms. My God. Yeah, he, he's not a safety. Not a safety. I, I don't know. I, I don't know what. Like, do I think he will play a little bit deeper down the field compared to a traditional middle linebacker? Yeah, off ball linebacker. Of course I do. Because he's good enough in coverage to do that. But he also, like, part of the reason JOK, you want to play him deeper is when he gets speed going. Like, sorry. He is the anti Lamar Jackson. Mm-hmm. Like, they drafted JOK to beat the Ravens. Yeah, because you need you need a guy with a skill set who can be a linebacker but can also, one, be fast enough, and two, uh, hop into coverage if he needs to do that, and that's what he can do. You know who couldn't do that? Like, every Browns linebacker last year. Yeah, there wasn't one of them. The closest it was, like, passable was B.J. Goodson, but that wasn't where B.J. Goodson was best. No. Um, and, like, I, Sandejo was awful. Part of me also thinks Sandejo wasn't awful because he wasn't reading the plays right. It was just he – I don't know how he got in the NFL with that lack of athleticism. But, like, he was – like, it seemed like he would make the right plays. And a lot of times, the linebacker that had to go into coverage was, was actually the one. Or, or Sheldrick Redwine, who, by the way, I guess we, that gets to the Lacombe pick or however we pronounce his name. Um, uh, yeah. Sheldrick Redwine's off the roster. Yeah, he, he has to be uh, Richard Lee LeCount, LeCount, the third. The third. I love that the it's third. a third, though. That's uh, By the way, yeah. this is a safety, 5'11", 190. Um, right. But, yeah, the way I see it is that this is this is the red wine replacement. Cause, yeah, which is great. I'm ecstatic to not have to watch red wine play another snap for the Browns. Because they're... I, I'm, they're if these are going to be John Johnson, Grant Delpit, Ronnie Harrison, and uh, LeCount here. Right, exactly. I mean, it's like we – I mean, people are going to call JOK a safety, but he's not. Like, no. you're not going to put JOK in single high. No. I mean, get out of here. No one's going to do that. Right. So, so he's not a safety in this scheme. <laughs> like, I, people can say whatever they want. Like, if he is not – this is a – Single high cover one, cover three. If he is not playing back, then he's not a safety. And I know people are like, oh, well, he's like, he's not the strong fit. He's not the safety that's in single high. He's the other safety. Well, like, no, because if Ronnie Harrison's on the field and Grant Del- and John Johnson or Grant Delpit, then, then they're the other safety, mm-hmm. right? Like, then JOK is the linebacker. Like, it's okay. We can admit, like, we know people, linebacker is not a sexy term anymore. 
but but he's the linebacker. He's a linebacker. Like he just is. I, I don't. It's like oh well, like it's four two five base exactly. Like exactly, if it's four two five base and you have two other safeties out there, and JOK is not in single high, then JOK is not the safety. Exactly. This isn't this isn't rocket science. Yet people are trying to to trying to make it difficult for the sake of being difficult because a, a narrative they've been just spewing all over the internet for six months just got shot in the face. Okay, that narrative's dead. It's dead. Yeah. It's over. Yeah. Like, listen, I, I where I agree with, like, the, the quote-unquote, the guardrails, so to speak, is that, like, if your team is terrible, drafting a linebacker like this or drafting – like, the Jabril Peppers pick was an awful pick for this reason, right? Is that Jabril Peppers is a guy you should be adding to an already good team. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I actually like, – I love Nick Chubb. He's my favorite player on the team. Um, maybe my favorite Brown of the new Browns. Mm-hmm. The Browns were not in a position where they should have been drafting a running back in the second round that year. They just mm-hmm. weren't. And I think the guardrails are right there. But I think where people like lose the plot is the guardrails are a it is a strategy to take a terrible team into becoming a decent to good team. And that's it. That's it. Once your team is already good, you do not follow the guardrails anymore. And so this narrative that we will always follow the guardrails is dumb. It's dumb. So we're past that point. And I am positive Deep Podesta doesn't have as much of a role as he did last year. Because this is not a Deep Podesta draft. No, this is not. And I'm very happy because I I really don't like Deep Podesta. And I, I'm glad to see what it looks like is that whatever his influence was on this uh, was minimal. Even though I'm sure I mean, there are going to be out there people saying that, oh, this was a Depot thing. I'm like, no, 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 this wasn't. No, no, this is, like, the coaching staff driven. Like, I, I, Andrew Berry made the picks, and, like, I, I, I want to give him credit, right? Like, I think the picks are right. But, like, Newsom is the perfect boundary corner for this defensive scheme. Um, and really, like, having a guy that can play zone across from Ward is probably a good thing anyways. JOK, Tommy Togiai, Tony Fields, even James Hudson. Um, mm-hmm. These are all coaching staff picks, right? Like, the the defensive players they drafted are designed to help ball control. And Tommy or uh, James Hudson is going to be his own blocking team tackle. Yes. With terrible athletic scores, by the way. Um, so I, this is not be Podesta driven. I don't think. Maybe again, maybe this gets to my point that like what like PFF shows is not actually what the Browns are doing. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's the, is driving this and I'm wrong, but I don't think that's the case. This feels like too much unity between the draft and what the coaching staff wants for a guy that's not in Berea every day to have had the influence he does. To me anyways. Yeah. Like, I, I think this is Barry and the coaching staff. I mean, it really is. It, it, it... It it really is because I, I I look at a lot of the projections and a lot of the things that um, people tried to say about how the Browns are going to approach this draft and what they were going to do and after night one it seemed like they were going they might have been right but as the, they got past round one holy crap were they entirely wrong. No, and this is, again, like, this is the perfect 
mix of like a football guy and analytics draft. Like it feels like all in one. Mm-hmm. And I mean like real, not like PFF scores. I mean like real, like looking at like regression analysis, like what makes the team successful? Do, does this player match that? But also like these are all guys football guys love. There was not one guy we drafted this year that was not a football guy, a guy that football guys don't like. Like the athletic gave the Browns an A. The ringer gave the Browns an A. I think Sports Illustrated gave the Browns an A minus. Like the grades are like from the football guys are just as high as from like PFF, which to me means this this was a good draft, at least right now. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, or you know, everything uh, encapsulated here uh, with this draft. I'm happy with the draft. This because uh, I didn't know what to expect coming in because. Right. Like I've said several times, there are lots of people saying certain things, and they were, like, digging their feet and ready to die on this hill of this is what the Browns are going to do, and they're not going to do this because of this. Right. So I didn't know what to expect, and when it was exactly how I would have approached the draft, it made me so happy. It really did. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this, like, there wasn't one pick. There were some picks that were more meh on, like, I was, I, I can't get that excited about the Anthony Schwartz pick. Yeah, like, I, 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 just, I understand the, the purpose behind it, but I'm not like, yes, they got this guy. Right, but at the same time, like, they, Anthony Schwartz was projected to go in the third round mm-hmm. by a lot of mocks. So, yeah. like, I don't think they reached on that pick. I, I just, I'm not crazy about it. But there wasn't a pick where I, let's, like, last year for example when they took oh, i'm gonna forget who actually it was delpit like when they took delpit i was like i, I get the pick mm-hmm. i was like i don't like that pick is very underwhelming to me like i if we're gonna rely on a rookie to play our coverage safety role that was underwhelming to me um, yeah i like the jordan elliott pick i know a lot of people didn't uh i love the nick harris pick mm-hmm. but like these were like low picks that I loved because I thought they were good value when they were drafted. Yeah. This draft, I feel like we got, I, I think we had got, we drafted two blue chippers. Yes. Right. I, I think Greg Newsom and Jock are blue chip prospects. Mm-hmm. I don't think we like, that's outstanding. I think Togiai has the potential to be a day one starter. Yes. Same. Um, I, I think Hudson is not that, but I think I get like Hudson Schwartz and Felton, I get the idea from like a more long-term perspective, which is fine. Yeah. Um, Lecount, I don't really care. Like it's a, he's a special teamer. Um, yeah. That completely he replaces Redwine. Special teamer um, backup. But there was other than that, like there was no there wasn't one pick where I I was like they really like shot themselves in the foot here. And it didn't feel like they were doing all these future picks like last year was. Like last year they drafted Jedrick Wills, and then it felt like every other pick was designed for four years from then. Yeah. And, and, and that was what was underwhelming to me. Well, well what didn't help, I guess, going, coming into this draft and how I was thinking was uh, the one thing that Andrew Berry said was going to be focused on long-term uh, impact and not necessarily uh, immediate uh, – or long-term future, not necessarily immediate impact – I was like, oh, no, they're going to get stupid with this, aren't they? Right. Then, yeah. you know, I, 
there was all this talk of them trading down out of round one and all these other trade downs. I'm like, no, you don't trade down when you're in this position for a team. They're not they're not quite at the the spot where it's acceptable to trade out of the first round. Right. The only world where that could have been a possibility is if one of those first four quarterbacks fell. And the second that didn't happen, the yeah. Browns couldn't trade down. They weren't going to get enough value. No. It, like, it's it's fine with... Like, a year from now, I think they, they might be in a position to trade back out of the first round, depending on how this season progresses and how they look coming into next year's draft and where their pick is. Because uh, they should be picking around the same spot, if not later, next year. So uh, so here's the interesting question for you. After the draft, how do you feel about their prospects for this season? I feel about the same still. Uh, I, I really okay. do. I, I still think I'm not going to be like, woohoo, Super Bowl, here we come. But I, I think that I, I, overall the, the offense is going to be what the offense is. And you're still going to see, I think, some inconsistencies with Baker. Defense, I think they've improved in a couple areas. However, the middle of their defensive line scares the hell out of me. Right. So I, I still yeah. think their weaknesses that they had coming into the draft still exist on the roster, and their limitations offensively still exist. However, I do think that there is a world where they have a similar season to last year this year. Yeah. I So the way I view it is I, I think my average prediction is probably the same, which is I think I said like 10 and 7 yeah. was about where I was at. Um, I, I think the high end now is much higher than it was. Like I think if Jock comes in and plays as good as like you and I think he can, I think the upside to this team just skyrockets. Um, this team absent a significant, significant injury should be in the state, should be in the, uh, whatever the AFC, whatever the round was or in the pre championship game. Divisional. Divisional. Thank you. Yes. I, I think at a minimum, that is where they should be, especially if Jock shines through. But like, I also think their, their upside to me last year to, to me before the draft was still, probably losing to Kansas City or Baltimore in the playoffs. Yeah. Um, to me now, I think that ceiling is much higher. Like, much, much higher. I think JOK is an answer to Kansas City and Baltimore in a way that I don't think either of those teams have come across. Um, it, again, if he turns out as good as I think he can be. And that may not be this year, right? Mm -hmm. but, but, I mean, all of a sudden, you can have Denzel Ward cover Tyreek Hill. He doesn't need to cover Travis Kelsey. That changes the game. It does. It, it changes it, the it game. entirely changes the game. Uh, having a, a corner actually cover a receiver and not a tight end who's going to just moss him every single time. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, as I said when it happened, like I, I didn't like it. I thought it was a dumb decision by Woods. I also got why he was doing it, right? Because like, if it wasn't Ward on Kelsey. I mean, you were talking, like, Carl Joseph. Yeah, so... Uh, so, so I get why they did that. The alternatives were but, terrible. Right. But but this year, you don't have to do that anymore, right? It, or, like, in the last game against the Ravens, the second game against the Ravens this year, where it went to, like, the very end, um, and Lamar Jackson just torched us, 
because mm-hmm. there was nobody down the middle that could cover him. So they would just put BJ Goodson as a spy, which means you had one less guy in coverage. Yeah. Like you don't have to do that anymore. Uh, what I think, and I think that's important. What, what I think is that we're finally, I think we finally have gotten the solution, which has been the problem defensively for the Browns to giving up garbage passes over the middle time over time. I can't exactly. tell you how many times we've played against teams in our division and they've literally just dumped it off to the tight end five yards down, seven yards, ten yards down the field and watching it. Whether that would be Heath Miller or Todd Heap or Jermaine Gresham, they seem to burn us in the exact same spot over and over again. And even yep. the drunkest, rowdiest fan at the local bar would be like, why aren't they covering the middle of the field? Right. Right. And I agree. I, you want to know my hot take from for this offseason? Because I have a really hot one. I'm ready. Steelers are going to finish last in the AFC North. Ooh, okay. I hated their draft. <laughs> Let I, me tell you, I was celebrating when that pick came in for Najee Harris in round one. I don't think Najee Harris is the best running back in the class. Like, you never draft a running back in the first round unless, like, you're Kansas City last year, which was fine. That made sense. But you never should otherwise. I don't think Najee Harris is the best. Like, I, I think – Etienne is going to be better than Najee Harris. I think uh, with the Ohio State running back Sewell, maybe better than Najee Harris. Sermon. I don't. I Not don't, Sewell. Sermon. Yeah, Sermon. 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 Thank you. Sermon. Yeah. Right. Sermon. I think Sermon may be better than Najee Harris. Like that. That Steelers draft was very. Let's let's look here. Najee Harris, line? Pat Fryermuth, uh, Kendrick Green, Dan Moore, Buddy Johnson, Isaiah Loudermilk, Quincy Roche, Trey Norwood, Presley Harvin the third. Yeah, I mean the best pick in that entire draft is probably uh, Kendrick Green, who's the guard out of Illinois. Uh-huh. Kendrick Green is not ready to start an NFL game. I he will be a day one starter for them. Uh-huh. Their line is so bad, and the rest of that draft, it's like. I don't, I don't know drafted, what the hell that was. Every player they drafted was a reach, and it was a player that could start from day one. So I get what they're – because they are terrified. They run an offense that is designed to power run up the middle and then let Ben Roethlisberger throw it far downfield. Here's the problem. They don't – like, what is even going on with James Conner, right? It seems like he's gone and Najee Harris is going to be the guy. Najee Harris is not a power runner. And Ben Roethlisberger has a weak arm. I, that I don't. I mean, I think Cincinnati's going to be good. Like Cincinnati actually scares me more this year than they have in a lot of years. Yeah, Cincinnati's draft uh, after round one kind of came into kind of rounded out a little bit because you know the yeah they they got some flack for taking Jamar Chase instead of uh, Sewell at five, but they still were able to grab uh, two other tackles in the draft and they were still able to improve their defense a little bit. So, you know, they had some obvious holes, which they were able to fix a little bit. Um, Is there one team in this draft where you're just like, their draft was absolutely atrocious besides Pittsburgh, in your opinion? Because I have have a suggestion. So so, uh, let me start by being positive. I think the Bears and the Chargers killed it this year. Yes. I... Those drafts are some – I mean, I think the Browns did really good. I would have Browns as a strong third place. Mm-hmm. But, like, first place to me is the Bears, and then, like, miles of space, followed by the Chargers, 
and then like another mile, and then the Browns. Yeah, um, the Chargers getting Asante Samuel Jr. in round oh two God. is a steal. Okay, that, that that defense with Staley as the head coach. I mean, I, the Chargers are making the playoffs this year. Like absolutely, be, like like that that team is going to be. I, it doesn't it doesn't even matter how good Herbert is this year. Like that team is making the playoffs. Anyways, terrible draft. Uh, Pittsburgh, Green Bay to me. Like I. I get Green Bay was shook because of the chart or the Rogers thing, mm-hmm. but like that is an like they took Eric Stokes. Like I thought Eric Stokes was going to go in like the third round. Like I, because I love watching cornerback play, so mm-hmm. I watched like a lot for the draft. Like Eric Stokes, I don't know what that pick was. Um, and then like they just drafted like uh, the A Rod two point um, the receiver <laughs> Amari, I, Amari Rogers. Amari Rogers, yeah, I. I I don't I, – they, they, to me, I don't get what they were doing. Like, I, I don't ever get what they're doing in the draft, but they never have a good draft. So, to me, it's kind of like, well, okay. Yeah, those two to me. How about you? What were your bad ones? Uh, there's one in particular that sticks out, and i got to say sorry to my friend John for this one, but uh, the Raiders. What the hell oh. were they doing? <laughs> well, my favorite is Mike Mayock. It was on TV. Mike Mayock's like, yeah, all you draft analysts don't know what you're talking about. Dude, you were a draft analyst. The reason you have this job is you were a draft analyst. This this draft <laughs> was horrendous, okay? Uh, they took Alex Leatherwood at 17th overall, where people were like, yeah, they took him like 20 to 30 spots ahead of where he was projected to go. Yeah, I don't uh, get that pick at all. The, the, uh, that's not even the strangest part of their draft. They drafted three safeties. Three! Yeah. Well, so so I think the reason they're doing that is they want to cover up for how big of a mistake. Uh, not Carl Joseph, who is the guy they drafted. Jonathan um, Abram. Abram. Yeah, I think they're trying. Like, he is good at one thing, and he can't stay healthy. And the problem is that one thing gets you injured a lot. He's really good at run defense, but that's it. And because he always just is so aggressive in run defense, he always gets hurt. Um, so I think they're drafting a lot of safeties to like quietly cover up for that. But, like, yeah, no, I don't get what they are doing. I, I have no idea what the Raiders are doing. They don't have a feel for um, draft value. And that's that's something I saw tweeted the other night. Was Hold on, let me see if I can, let me see if I can find the exact tweet. I sent it to him. Uh, I mean, I would say the worst pick. Who is the edge rusher they drafted last year uh, that, like, sucked? Um but they drafted him because he was a character guy. They drafted him with the Bears pick. Like Cullen Farrell? Yeah, Cullen, 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 Cullen Farrell. Yeah, exactly. Like, he's awful. Um, and that, I guess, what? yeah, Cullen Farrell, um, he was drafted, let's see, I'm looking it up. He was like sixth overall or something like that. And he's been a joke. Fourth overall. Yeah. Um, that to me is a worse pick than Leatherwood just because of like where they're drafting. But I'm sorry, Leatherwood is a strong side tackle that is probably not ready to start in year one. Yeah. So I found it. It was from Warren Sharp. Um, yeah. Uh, I love Warren. He's, he's pretty good. I don't always agree with everything that he says, but a lot of it's usually pretty spot on. But I think he has good rationale when he says something, yes. even if I disagree with it. Mm-hmm. So a total failure in all caps of player evaluation. On the secondary, the last five years, the Raiders used four first-round picks, which was the most in the NFL, six picks in the first two rounds, most, ten picks in the first four rounds, most. Yet their DAS defense ranked 
31st, 32nd, 31, and 26th, with their secondary being a top need again. How did the Raiders answer? Traded up twice to draft safeties, Trevon Morig and Tyree Gillespie. They lost both trades in value. They also used a third-round pick on another safety, Divine Diablo, and reached the draft to tackle Alex Leatherwood at 17th overall. Is there a team with a worse draft? Yeah, no, they're bad. I mean, I, I, I just, I don't, like, it's unfortunate because I think John Gruden's a really good coach. But I don't, like, I don't know what say he has in the process or if it's all, like, if it's 50-50, if it's mainly him or it's mainly Mayock. But, like, that team's never going to be better than a 7 and, well, or ten. what, now it would be 7 and 8, 7 and 9, or 7 and 10, yeah, 7, thank you, sorry. 7 and 10 team, maybe 8 and 9 team now. Like, I, I don't think that team, no matter how good Gruden is, until they can draft well. Unpopular opinion, I think Derek Carr is a very middle-of-the-road quarterback. I don't think he, he is why they are not winning games. Like, I really don't. Like, I, Derek Carr, Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, I'm sorry, I know it's the Browns podcast, Baker Mayfield, mm. Kirk Cousins, Jared Goff. Like, these guys are all interchangeable to me. Um, I don't think that's why the Raiders are playing poorly. If they don't have, they don't draft well. They don't draft good talent. And when they do, they trade them. Like, you know what the Raiders could really use right now? A pass rush guy that can play off the edge or at linebacker. They really could use one. It's like only if they had Khalil Mack on the roster. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you know what they also could use? They could really use a speedy receiver. They can cut open the middle of the defense mm-hmm. with, like, slot routes. Oh, only if they had, like, Amari Cooper. Yeah. I mean, I, I, don't, I, I don't get what they're doing. Like, they, they create holes. And then they tr- use what they get to try to fill other holes. And they're unsuccessful at the last part. But then they have more holes on the roster. Mm-hmm. And like year after year after year. I mean, I, Leatherwood's not ready to start from everything I've read. Like Leatherwood is not going to be a starter day one. Yeah. They drafted three safeties. So, and they still have Carl Joseph and Abram. So like, what are you going to do there? They have no pass rushers. Um, they have a good tight end. Like, I think Waller's amazing. Mm-hmm. I like their running back, the kid from Alabama. Josh Jacobs. Um, Jacobs, yeah. But And, like, I'm fine with their car. But that team is that – like, that team drafts like they are a AFC championship team. Well, we can, I'll get into that in a second, but uh, there's one other text, uh, uh, tweet I wanted to read to you. Um, this is yeah. from John Middlecoff. Two texts I received okay. from NFL people in the last 20 minutes. This was during Saturday night's round two and three, or uh, Friday night's round two and three. Uh, Raiders have poor feel for player value, and Gruden went rogue mm-hmm. in regards wow. to what they were doing. So rounds two and three, that they came away with Morig, uh, Malcolm Kuntz, and uh, Divine Diablo. Um the thing with Gruden, and it's from what I've heard about Gruden, is that he's someone who gets bored with what he has and always wants what he doesn't have. Yeah. And judging off of the way they've operated since he has uh, returned to the Raiders, that is the most accurate thing I've ever heard. Is that yeah. what he has, he gets bored with when he wants what he doesn't have. Then when he gets that, he gets bored with it. Which right. is why you see the high turnover on their yeah. roster. Yeah. All the time. Yeah, no, I I agree with that. I, I think that that's – and, like, 
so this actually, I have another thing I want to ask you. So like, I, because I think Kyle Shanahan is very much the same way. Um, but I think Kyle Shanahan, when he gets bored, <laughs> is still good at utilizing that talent. Mm-hmm. Like you could tell this year that he was done with Mostert. Like it, he was done. Um, and he was probably like Garoppolo's always hurt. And so they made changes this off season, mm-hmm. but like he still like I mean that team was seven and nine, and they had more injuries than I could count. So like I think that was a good performance. What do you think about the Forty ers draft? Like Trey Lance, on down. So Trey Lance, um, there are a few spots that I thought would be perfect for him to go to, and um, San Francisco was one of them. Mm-hmm. And, and the reason why is because while Jimmy Garoppolo is not, you know, the savior of the franchise like he was thought to be not too long ago, Jimmy Garoppolo can start if needed and play if needed if they determine that Trey Lance is not quite ready. And from what it sounds like coming into the draft, it sounds like Trey Lance is someone who's going to need a little bit of seasoning before he gets his, you know, actual shot to start. That makes sense. And so that makes sense. In and also in San Francisco, he's got a great coach that will scheme everything to his strengths and make him not do stuff that he's not good at. So he's the best coach, the best offensive coach in the NFL. So he landed in a great spot coaching wise and quarterback wise where there won't necessarily be percent uh pressure on him to start on day one. He's not coming in as down the road, probably savior of the franchise, or you know at least hope he's a franchise quarterback. But he's not in a situation like Trevor Lawrence is or Zach Wilson is in New York. Right. Oh, I, that Jets team is. I, I know they boosted the offensive line, and I get why people like Zach Wilson. Like to me, like hit the pros on him make a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. I I just I know he has the other Lafleur brother is the offensive coordinator, mm-hmm. but man, I don't, that team, they, who, they have no good receivers. Who do they even have? I, I couldn't even tell you a New York Jets receiver right now. Jamison Crowder. Oh, Jamison Crowder. I had him in fantasy like five years ago and he was a massive yeah. disappointment. Uh, let's see. Yeah. Who, let's see who we got here. We have, oh, Corey Davis. Denzel Mims, okay. Jamison Crowder. Oh, right. They drafted. I forgot Mims. They yeah. drafted. Mims did not have a great season, though. And uh, Oh, they drafted uh, Elijah Moore. Okay. Yeah, I mean. I, Josh I, I Doxson. I mean, listen, he's going to come in and start from day one. Yeah. And I don't, like, that team is too patchwork for a rookie quarterback to come in and start day one. To me. I agree. And I think it's the same mistake they made. And I am. Again, I did not watch much on any of these quarterbacks, but like, I I was always concerned with Darnold's turnover rate. Like to me, that, that that's mm-hmm. why I never got high on him. Uh, Wilson doesn't have the same problem, but but they're making the same mistake they did. Yep. Right? If you draft a quarterback, they need to come into a stable environment. If the environment is not stable, then too much is put on their shoulders regarding growth. I think one of the key reasons Justin Herbert and Josh Allen both were so successful is when they started starting, it was a stable team. Like I know the Chargers fired Lynn, but like that was a stable roster. Mm-hmm. It wasn't all this new stuff coming in at once. And Josh Allen was the same thing. 
and I just I don't. I, I think your point about Trey Lance is 100% correct, and I also think it's why Zach Wilson does, does not have great odds to succeed. Yeah. So, hopefully good situation for Trey Lance. Uh, wish the best of luck for Zach Wilson, but that's an uphill climb that uh, never really seems to uh, end well. <laughs> uh, who's the who's the guy in Greek mythology constantly rolling the rock up the hill? Because that's New York Jets. That's who they are. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, I gotta look it up. Uh, rock yeah. up the hill. It is Sisyphus. The Jets are Sisyphus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> now, I... one more, uh, I guess, quarterback landing spot uh, before we uh, wrap this up here, and that's Mac Jones to New England. Yeah, I mean, it's fine. Like, I, I remember watching the national championship game and saying, like, Mac Jones is Kirk Cousins. Yeah. So, and I, I still think that's true. I think he's Kirk Cousins. I, I think that Mac Jones, I think, first of all, I think this landed and ended up unfolding perfectly for New England because everyone was like, the Patriots got to trade up. Patriots try to trade up. They didn't do shit, and Mac Jones was just available at 15. They're like, we're taking Mac Jones. Yeah. And. I, Mac Jones seems like the perfect guy to go up to New England. Honestly, um, yep. they don't. He's got. A, there's a good offensive coordinator in Josh McDaniels there. It, it seems like he's got the skill set and traits that McDaniels and Belichick prefer to have in their quarterback. Like I know a lot of people were talking about Justin Fields to New England, but. Uh, Justin Fields' passing motion is a little bit long. It's a little bit... Oh, uh, he, really he, long. He, it, it takes too much time, so he doesn't have oh, yeah. the uh, the quickness and the uh, essentially urgency when making uh, decisions passing that someone like Mac Jones appears to have. Right. Right. I, I think... I think Chicago with Nagy is the perfect landing spot for Fields because he'll run very similar to that Kansas City offense. He'll just boom it down. Like, he'll give Fields time. But, yeah, I agree. Like, I think Mac Jones is in a great position there. I think Mac Jones could very possibly be good from day one with that coaching staff. Like, it would not surprise me if Mac Jones came in and put up a Kirk Cousins-like season. It wouldn't surprise me either. He seems to have a certain, I guess, floor that seems like he's stable at. I, I don't know how high yeah. his ceiling is. I don't think it's particularly high. But I think he's got a high so, enough floor that he could come in and play well enough where all the people that have uh, projected the the end of the New England Patriots uh, will be eating some crow. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I, I They're going to... I don't... I don't love that roster in I, general. I don't either. And so I don't think they're a playoff team this year. I don't, like the Bills are real. I, the Bills are another team that had a sneaky good draft. They doubled down on what they've done. They drafted two edge rushers with the first two picks that are both pass rushers. Um, I, I like uh, Basham, and I forgot who they drafted in the first round. But it, I, I, I mean, you made Buffalo twice. They have to play Miami twice, and I think Miami, they had a bad draft, but I think they're going to be better this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, 
New England's going to have a tough road, but I, I like the Mac Jones pick for them. I think it is very much a Belichick has a few more years left before he retires type pick. Yeah. Um, that, that I think ultimately Mac Jones may get a second contract there, but he won't get a third, and I'm not even sure he'll get a second. But he'll let Belichick have a competitive team for the next few years. And if they build the right guys around him, maybe they could be a Super Bowl contender again. Mm-hmm. But I don't, like, I'm fine at Mac Jones. I'm good if you are a team like the Patriots drafting a quarterback with a higher floor and a lower ceiling. Absolutely. I'm, I'm good with that if you're the Patriots. Like, yeah. I, that, to me, makes sense. Their goal, essentially, is to rebound from, I guess, for them, which was a disastrous season. Because, I mean, they've had a certain level of excellence for two decades. Um, right. So I, I think he's going to, I guess, provide some much-needed stability at the position after the Cam Newton experience has not quite worked out. Right. And I, I think also, like, this is what I never understood about the San Francisco rumors, is that, like, they already have Jimmy Grappa. They already have that high-floor guy. Why would they um, want to do it again? Right. <laughs> Lance to me is I think Trey Lance has again I didn't watch too much but I read a lot and I saw how, like I think his floor is actually pretty low it is but it, it, I think his ceiling is very high and it reminds me of like the Josh Allen Justin Herbert type pick mm-hmm. where you are a stable organization drafting a quarterback that if it doesn't work out you have the resources where you will still survive but if it does work out you've got a star and that, to me, is why that pick made sense there. It made more sense than Justin Fields there to me. I thought they were going to go Fields, and I didn't really understand it. Trey Lance makes so much more sense. Um, I also think part of what happened is the 49ers panicked. Um, A little bit. And they won't say it, but I think they panicked. And I think they traded up and didn't really know what they were going to do once they got there. I also think that had something fallen differently with Aaron Rodgers, my gut is he would be either a 49er or a Patriot right now. I think if he said a week prior, if he made this public trade demand, mm-hmm. he would have been a 49er or a Patriot. I mean, and who knows? Things could also unfold in the future in regards to trades. Um, yeah. Uh, it's got to suck if you're Green Bay. Hey, uh, I'll say this. For, for Green Bay, it, it seems like once a, a quarterback gets towards the end of their career, for some reason that franchise doesn't handle it the best way. Because this is the second franchise quarterback they've seemed to piss off at the end of his time with the team. Yep. So, while some aspects of the player and what how they're, I guess, uh, handling things are not necessarily the best, the franchise is also not doing a good job at it either. I mean, I just, I don't, like, Aaron Rodgers won MVP last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Aaron Rodgers was that Green Bay Packers team. Aaron Rodgers, they, everybody admitted, including LaFleur, that LaFleur did not communicate on that third down play with Aaron Rodgers, right? Where mm-hmm. Aaron Rodgers called for a, I think he called for a run play, thinking he was going to go for it on fourth down. And LaFleur decided to kick a field goal. And Rodgers said, I would not have called a run play. And LaFleur said, I should have been clear about that because he shouldn't have called a run play. Um, I, I, 
he is that team. I know Aaron Jones is a very good running back, and Devontae Adams probably the best receiver in football. But I, I he is that team. And I don't understand if Aaron Rodgers says, I want a new center and a receiver. I don't understand why you are waiting until the second round to take the center and the third round to take the receiver. Like, I'm sorry, figure out a way to trade up and to get one of the big name receivers. Um, I, I just, to me, I don't, and they, they've done this every year, right? Like uh-huh. they didn't know Aaron Rodgers was going to win MVP this year. But, like, Aaron Rodgers two years ago still was playing pretty well. Yeah. You draft Jordan Love knowing, I am sorry, man, you and I knew that would piss off Aaron Rodgers. We both, like, it's obvious Aaron Rodgers is kind of a diva, and that's fine. They should not have drafted Jordan Love. No matter no. how good you think Jordan Love can be, you don't make that pick I, unless you are ready to trade Aaron Rodgers. Unless you're ready for the divorce to happen, you don't make that move. Right, and the weird thing is it seems like the Packers aren't ready. No, it doesn't. And so they, they went ahead, they made the move. Uh, I don't know how to actually pronounce his last name because uh, I only heard Pat McAfee say it a thousand times, so the Gunta Kunst mm. guy, uh, whatever the yeah. hell his name is, which I'm probably saying it wrong, but that's just how Pat McAfee said it a whole bunch last year. So that's how I've been saying it ever since. Um, it seems like he's a bad feel about just the, the inside the locker room stuff. Uh, in regards to roster yeah. construction. He just doesn't have a feel for it. and Because uh, not only was taking Jordan Love kind of strange last year, the, the overall draft for them in 2020 was, was kind of strange. It was very... A.J. Just... Dillon, didn't, like, he was the third string running back. And, and they still signed Aaron Jones. Yeah, who which they should have. Aaron Jones is really good. Acknowledged. But, Why are you using a second round pick on AJ Dillon? Like, what are you doing? I mean, let's let's look at this. I mean, hold on. We got Jordan Love, AJ Dillon. Um, let's see. For some reason it's all jumbled up. Jordan Love wasn't even their backup last year. Uh, Josiah Deguara. Oh yeah, Josiah Deguara. Yeah, Deguara. Uh, he wasn't bad this year. Then after that, think... it's uh, Kamal Martin, the linebacker, uh, John Runyon Jr., which you can never go bad with taking a, a Runyon. Um, right, right. Uh, Simon right. Stepaniak, another guard. I mean, this this was a, a draft that you would see out of a rebuilding team, not, not a team that was yeah. uh, currently featuring the MVP of the league, who also happens to be the quarterback. Yeah, I mean, what I actually think the plan was two years ago was that they were going to run it one more year and then they were going to trade Rodgers and rebuild. Like, some of the, I think Jay Glazer said the Packers agreed, like, either last year or early in the season to trade Rodgers. Mm-hmm. And then they went back on their word. And so he operated all season thinking he was going to get traded. And then now they're saying they're not going to trade him. And so I guess what he's saying he wants is a new contract and say over personnel. And they're not giving that to him. And so I think the initial plan was to trade him, yeah. and then he was an MVP. And then they were like, well... We're not going to trade the MVP, so... We're not going to get enough value to make that trade. They also probably saw Jordan Love is not as good as they thought he was initially. Mm-hmm. And maybe he can get that good. I get, like, like you want to talk about a traits guy? Jordan Love is the ultimate traits guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so that's fine. But, like, here's the other difference, though, between Rodgers and Favre for me. Favre loved football. Like, I think Favre 
was going to play. So Favre's like, oh, I'm going to retire a threat wasn't a good one. And no. the Packers do that, which yeah. gave the Packers some leverage. Rodgers, when Rodgers says, I'm going to retire if I don't get traded, I 100% believe that. I, I mean, I, I don't know if you saw Aaron Rodgers host Jeopardy, but he was great. I Go host Jeopardy. Yeah. yeah, he's getting married. It seems like he's kind of like settling down in his life. And what Aaron Rodgers wants now is to be Tom Brady for the next few years, like in the Tampa Bay Bucks situation, mm-hmm. or to retire. And I think Rodgers expected to be traded early in free agency so the team he went to could build around him. And then the Packers just didn't do it. And I think Rodgers was pissed off enough that he was like, well, okay, if you're not going to trade me, then I'm going to hold on to that trade demand until drafting. Yep. And that's what he did. And I, I, I mean, I don't know who is going to be able to trade for him. Denver, maybe. But, like, Denver's not – if you're Aaron Rodgers, I don't know that Denver's a place you're really ecstatic to go to. Maybe before draft you would have been. I mean, maybe. I don't know. Uh... I think he's going to retire. Like, you want my ass spinning? I think Rodgers is going to retire. I think the Packers won't trade him. Rodgers is going to say fine, and he'll retire. Yeah, that, that seems like a, a pretty good possibility. Honestly, uh, unless the Packers want to give him the ultimate FU and just trade him to some nothing team. <laughs> but then I think he'll retire, right? Like, yeah. he can get traded, retire. I mean, that's, that's his ultimate threat, right? He's going to give the – if he is not already, he's will give the Packers a list of teams he's willing to go to. And you want my honest opinion? Is I think if by next week there's no n- noise on this trade, mm-hmm. I think he's going to reveal it publicly, which is really going to screw the Packers. Yeah. Uh, and so, like, you want to know actually where I think is possible? I don't know that New England's committed to Mac Jones. No. I think they like They're good with him. I, it would not surprise, surprise me if New England figured out a way to make a deal for Rodgers. I wouldn't be surprised either. And, like, everything about Rodgers that I've heard is he's a really hard worker in practice. Like, he shows up to every offseason program. He's not late. Like, I think he would be fine working under Belichick. I do too. I I really do. Forty Niners can't do that now. Like Trey Lance is too too. That was too big of a pick to to trade him. I mean, I guess they could, but I I just think it's unlikely. Um, and I don't know where else. I guess they don't need to trade the quarterback because the Packers have Jordan Love. I just don't think the Packers are high on Jordan Love. I think that's why they're not trading Rodgers. I agree with you. I'm totally with you on that. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Hey. Listen, if they want Baker Mayfield, I, deal, right? Listen, yeah, we'll absolutely. Whatever picks they want next year, uh, they can pick one young guy, take them. I'm willing to make that trade. So, Packers, if you're listening to this podcast, just know you can reach out to the Browns because it would be a really smart trade for the Browns. Yes, it'd be a great trade from the Browns. And then we could start having actual realistic Super Bowl conversations at that point. Absolutely. I agree. I agree. Well, this so, was fun, man. Yeah, so I, I think it's a good place to end here. Uh, it's been uh, great talking uh, Browns draft and, you know, a little bit of a around the league draft after that. But uh, I, I think this has been a, a, a fun time talking uh, Browns with you, like always. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you, man.